0: right. Thank you, Regina. Good afternoon. Welcome to another Marketing Experiments Web Clinic. My name is Austin McCraw, and it is a pleasure to be back here with you on these clinics. I think it's been two clinics since I've been on one of these, so I am excited today. Uh, And I'm particularly excited about the topic we're going to be looking at today, which is brand. Now, brand is one of those topics that gets a lot of airtime in the marketing world but it's also one of those topics where there's a lot of confusion it's a it's a topic in which there's a lot of um, disagreement, and and, and we we all know or we all assume that it's important uh, but not many of us know exactly what brand is in fact if i were to ask the hundreds of marketers on this call right now what is brand i would probably get hundreds of different answers to that question and so to today uh, what we want to do is we want to we look at the notion of brand and we want to raise the question, does, does brand matter as much as we, we say it does? Does it matter as much as we talk about it? Does it actually work? Can it be leveraged to generate results? I mean, that's what we do at Marketing Experiments. We don't just want to stay in this place of resting on our intuition or drawing upon, upon some uh, outside subject matter expert telling us what brands should be like. We want to test it. We want to run actual tests and and hear what the customers say through their behavior. And to that end, we have run experiment after experiment to understand this notion, this idea of brand and and how to do it. So that's what we're talking about today. And in particular, we have a really interesting case study we're going to be looking at, uh, which really gets to this notion of brand. Before we get there, though, I want to make one kind of housekeeping note. All right. So these clinics we do them live and they're also on demand uh we are incredibly thankful that you have taken time out of your schedule to be here live on this clinic uh what we want to do since you've taken that time is want to make this more of a of a dialogue not just a monologue coming from from us up here uh, on the on the screen and so uh, you can use two things you can use GoToWebinars question and answer feature there uh, some of you are already starting to uh, submit questions you might actually test it and make sure you're, you're familiar with it if you've never used it before because I'm going to be asking you questions and I'm going to need you to be quick and to respond and to and to interact with us because I want to get your feedback also uh, I'm gonna be asking you questions I want you to be asking us questions. So if there's questions about brand as we get as we go, uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to get to those as much as possible. I have a team standing by watching and reviewing all the questions that are coming in. I actually have a screen right here where I can see the questions coming up. And some of you are beginning to kind of fill out and take a stab. Good, you guys get it. Uh, also the other way is hashtag webclinic. This is kind of the uh, public facing way you can interact with us. If I make reference to a resource etc it will likely be distributed through that channel so you can find it there so you have those two things up uh... and ready to go and turn this uh... this this web clinic into a a conversation so uh... on today's clinic i've already introduced myself my name is Osmacraw. McCraw. i oversee the content production here uh... at mech labs um... And I'm heavily integrated in reviewing the experiments and the tests that come through this marketing experiments publication. Uh, we also have uh, in the studio, I'm excited, uh, we have Pamela Jassot here. She is kind of the senior director of marketing here at Mech Labs, and she particularly specializes in brand. She's worked with brand for many large organizations. She's, heart, she's helped startups kind of launch and figure out their brand. So wanted to get here. In fact, Pamela, this is, is this your first clinic? You've been in a clinic before? This is her first clinic. So we're going to want to make this a, a kind of a warm welcome uh, for, for Pamela. She's going to be joining me in a moment uh, to talk about some concepts around brand. So to begin, we're going to start like we start every clinic with a case study. Now, this is an interesting case study. I, I love this case study because it's not your typical product. All right, so this case study is, is surrounding, essentially we're trying to convince people to come to a city. So the, the, the product is a, a city. We're trying to convince people to, to go there. And so uh, we have this website in which we have resources where people can learn about the city. And there was a particular page we wanted to test to see if we could generate more interest uh, in In the city itself now we 've anonymized this as much as possible, um, uh, but you may see some uh, patterns here. Try, try, try to focus if you can on the test itself but here 's the control all right and i 'm not going to say a whole lot. I want you to look at this and evaluate this with your marketing eye uh, look at Look at the way this page is designed all right so you have a big banner image at the top with some imagery um, you 've got some classic text, and essentially what we're trying to do, the, the offer here is content, information about this city, and it leads down to this form field in which they can subscribe. They can get on this list uh, this newsletter list uh, for, for new content around this city. So you can see this. Let me go back. here's the top. here's the bottom. Now that's the control. Now, what we wanted to what the question we had in mind when we were looking at this test is There are some brand elements involved in this test, but what if we integrated some additional branding elements in this page? So here's the treatment. I want you to look at this. I want you to notice how we've kind of intensified the brand notion. Now this this idea came in working in collaboration with not only the team on our side, but the agency and the group on their side. uh, And we wanted to test to see how much impact this brand really have on conversion. So we, we changed out the images. We integrated some more of that stylized text. We changed the fonts. And if you look down here at the bottom, massive change in the way we're into the form field and so you have these two different pages you should see them both on the screen right now you have the control you have the treatment they're offering the same thing they're actually using about 90 percent of the same language and what i want to ask you audience right now before i show you the results which of these things do you think will generate the most response? If you were the marketer that had to decide which page we were going to launch on the website, which page would you choose? Would you choose the more, the control, the more, the more brand light, or would you choose the treatment, which is more brand heavy? So I see some results. You guys are, you guys got this good webinar feature down. They're coming in pretty fast now. So I'm just going to read you the responses that I'm getting, and I'm not making this up, all right? So uh, this is, first response came in was treatment, right, on the, Right on the gun there. We got B, we got treatment, 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 treatment. All right. So far, now you may be the first. So far, I haven't gotten any controls. Will someone put at least a bet on the control? Or are we all going towards treatment? I see all treatments. <laughs> yes, we got one, Mark. Mark has chosen the control. He has, go- he has chosen to go against the grain uh, with the control. But so, so here's what's so fascinating about this test. And this was not a trick question, but the most fascinating thing about this test is I was in the same boat with you guys. When I looked at these two treatments, I thought, wow, this is a, a, a much more stylized page. It integrates some, some really key brand features. However, when push comes to shove, it actually generated 34% less response. Uh, And so if you were actually to compare the control with the treatment, you flip that. uh, So to say it another way, the control actually is producing 51% more leads for this organization. And when you look at the conversion rate, you look at the, I mean, 51% uh, is is significant, but when you consider that in light of the conversion rate itself, and you can see how high the motivation level already is, that's a significant increase in conversion. a significant difference. And so the question becomes, right? So, and, and I say this every time, I'm gonna say it again, right? So we just, we just looked at a test uh, and we just learned something. We got a page, we identified a page that was 51% better or it, a page that protected us from losing 37%, uh, or what was it, it was 34% of our leads, all right? So that was, that's kind of a, a momentary outcome, but really the deeper question that we wanna ask is why? Why did the control, why did, in fact, Everyone on this, yes, I see some of the responses. There's, some, there's some, uh, some surprise and shock coming from the audience right now. And you should be asking yourself why, because the real value in experimentation is not just getting a result, it's getting a learning about the customer. So we want to go there, right? And so um, this is just one test of many experiments that we've been running over the past couple decades looking at brand. And we've worked with large organizations, worked with small organizations. Uh, I remember actually, actually this is interesting. Um, We pulled it from the deck because we didn't have enough time to get to it, but the Boston Globe. We had a really fascinating brand test for them where all we did was integrate one piece of their brand, uh, one recognized piece of their brand, and it generated, what was it, Ken? It was a 30, 40 percent increase in response. And so we've some fascinating experience with brand. And so they've kind of led to a few key discoveries we've made about what makes brand effectiveness and we're going to talk about what brand is and and how to kind of as marketers begin to think about brand and leverage it in your marketing collateral so that you don't end up like that previous example where you are assuming that the brand's valuable uh, you're assuming your application of the brand's valuable and you end up actually losing leads instead so today um, I can't I mean, we have whole courses on brand. We're developing a, a kind of a University of Florida program that has um, a significant thing on brand. I can't cover all that today, but what I can do is I can walk you through just three, three primary elements that determine a brand's effectiveness. So, uh, let's we'll start with the first one right now, and this one is is a bit of a challenge, right? So, so element one is the fostered conclusion. This may be the most, if you haven't seen any of our previous content on brand, we did a web clinic about a couple years ago where we talk about this notion of fostered conclusions. If you haven't seen any of that before, this may be one of the most important things that you, you get from this clinic. I don't have time to go into it in detail, but essentially, I need to change your thinking about brand likely. Because when we talk about brand, most of us are thinking about things like logo, we're thinking about things like color scheme. We're thinking about things like uh, like some sort of spokesperson or, or some sort of jingle, some sort of mark in some sense. But really, brand's not a logo. Brand's not a mark. Brand, that's not what brand is, all right? What you need to start seeing, we're, we're going to talk about those in a moment. Pamela's going to come. She's going to walk us through some of those things. But before we even get there, we have to realize that brand is a fostered conclusion that you're generating in the mind of your customer and so and and it's a conclusion around the value proposition itself so what we like to say here at Mech Labs is brand is actually this fostered conclusion around the aggregate experience of the value proposition brand represents this kind of sum of total experiences uh, that that your customer is associating with you and that means some really important things right so what you need to realize is that you don't own your brand Uh, I don't own I don't own my brand all right? Your customer owns your brand. It doesn't exist out on this table. It doesn't exist in our hands or in our marketing collateral. It exists in the mind of the customer. And, 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 and our audience is, is cr- naturally doing this as humans. We create these expectations around the value we're going to get associated with a particular brand. Now, if this seems nebulous, let me just touch it to the ground, all right? So we all do this, okay? We, we totally all do this I, You've probably done it today right so there's probably someone in the office that you've worked with that you have made a you've had you have a fostered conclusion about right it could be a negative conclusion or it could be a positive conclusion right there's that guy in the office who's absolutely really annoying okay that's his brand to you right and you have uh... you you have associated a conclusion about that person right so that's the brand or there's the guy who's super helpful and in and, and, and your experience your aggregate experience of this person has been one of, I find a lot of value. I find a lot of help. I find a lot of support. I laugh a lot when I'm around them. Like, that's the brand. So that's brand. We do it with people, and, and here's a reality check. People do it with companies. In fact, we say it over and over again, right? People don't buy from websites. People don't buy from companies. People buy from people and people personify their companies. And that personification, that expected, like that kind of expected conclusion, that fostered conclusion is your brand. Now, like I said a moment ago, and I'm going fast and I, and I understand that most of you have a lot of questions and we're trying to, we're trying to collect them. So if we have time, we can get to them today. Um, but we spent a good hour talking about this uh, a little while back. And if you, if you want to kind of some of these points that I just walked through, because I walked through them fast, if you want to go deeper into them, you can go to marketingexperiments.com brand. You'll find a web clinic there where we actually define brand. We go into what we mean by aggregate experience, etc. cetera. Okay? So you can go there to the technical stuff. But let me just, let me just zoom out. right? So when we think about brand, uh, I, I almost don't even want to use this logo because every time someone talks about brand, they show the Apple logo or they show the Nike logo. But I'm showing it to you. So we think about brand. Why, what is Apple's brand? I want you to engage with me here for a moment, audience. Okay, you see this mark. You see this symbol. What is your fostered conclusion about your experience with this organization? Why is Apple uh, kind of known as the brand king in some sense? What, yeah, so someone, Sam, I think it's Sam. Sam says quality. Someone else says intuitive. <laughs> Melissa says expensive. And that is, that's a part of their brand. And you guys, are, you guys are absolutely right. So that's the expectation. And we're drawing that expectation or that conclusion from our experiences with them. Let me show you another one, right? So I was invited this week to go see a movie that's coming out this weekend, Jurassic World. How many of you on the line are going to go see it this weekend, excited about it? Um, I grew up in kind of the Jurassic Park Kind of time frame, and I remember that uh, moment—the first time I saw Jurassic Park. Uh, But when you see this emblem right now, for those of you online, what fostered conclusion do you draw? What do you think of? Okay, let's 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 go. Let's get away from Apple for a moment, because again, we do this with everyone. Yes, life always finds a way. Dinosaurs. Yes, Steven Spielberg. Yes. If I told you. So I think Steven Spielberg, but Steven Spielberg is not directing this film this time around. So if I told you that, would that impact your fostered conclusion for this brand? It, it might. Most of us remember the Steven Spielberg version of the film, and, and, and it changed our childhood. All right? and, and so we have that expectation with this brand. However, if we find out there's a different director, it, it, it changes the expectation or the fostered conclusion. I'm going to do one more, and I love this example. So look at this book cover. This is just a good, recent, classic example of the power of brand. Look at this, and this is all about fostered conclusions. Look at this cover, all right? When you see this cover, what do you think? What do you see? Okay, someone says Gothic. Someone says London, detective. I'm so glad you're giving these response, right? Drama and superheroes, uh, good book, okay? So, so when this book launched, with this cover, with, with, with this title and with this author, it had no real strong brand associated with it. And we know that because the results in Amazon w- weren't that great, all right? But then it leaked, and I'm surprised no one has said this yet, it leaked that actually um, Robert Galbraith was a pseudonym uh, for J.K. Rowling. And as we all know, J.K. Rowling you know, wrote, is probably the, the most popular book series of our age today in some sense. So now what does that do to the brand? Now that you know that, that actually uh, J.K. Rowling is the author of this book, what does that do? How does that change your foster conclusion about this book that's on the left? Some of you are in shock. Yes. Yeah, it absolutely changes it right and, and, and listen if you don't if you 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 don't are yeah it must be good right uh <laughs> someone jokingly says nothing but i'm telling you right now you're wrong because the day that that news broke it immediately went from like number five thousand on amazon to number one so okay i gotta go a little faster So shifting to the actual test we're looking at, what were the foster conclusions? And I know this because I worked with them uh, on their value proposition, but basically here were the foster conclusions we were wanting to draw with this city, right? So first, the city is culturally diverse, okay? I'm not asking you to guess the city. I just want you to track with me on the foster conclusions, all right? So the city is culturally diverse. The city is creative. It's artsy. The city is historically grounded. It has a historical, has a history that's unparalleled. And then finally, the city's fun, never boring, okay? So that's the conclusion we want people to come to. That's our fostered conclusion. That's our unique value proposition, the experience of it, that we want the customer to go, oh, yeah, that's, that's what I associate with that city. So once you have that, okay, you've got to start there. Most people jump to step two, but you've got to start with understanding what is that fostered conclusion you want to draw. And that shifts us into... Element number two, which is shorthand symbols, and this is what people traditionally think of when they think about brand. It is an aspect of brand, but they're absolutely waste, and I'll explain what they are in a minute, uh, without the fostered conclusion identified. So let's just look at this principle real quick, and then I'm gonna have Pamela come up and, and join me and walk us through some of these shorthand symbols. So a properly developed brand leverages shorthand symbols, and these shorthand symbols are meant to create a connection. All right, so, so we have this conclusion that we want them to draw. The shorthand symbols are actually kind of almost like uh, auto, almost in hypno- hypnosis. It's this kind of idea of auto suggestion that you see it and you automatically think of something else. You, you, you get to that fostered conclusion. Let me give you one example and then. Pamela comes up. So I have, I have, yeah, Pamela, go ahead and come up, because this will be quick. All right, so uh, what you can't see right now is I'm in a green screen room. I've got people around me. I've got an AV team uh, trying to adjust the cameras, things like that. Uh, I've got Luke right here, all right? And Luke, uh, if you could see him right now, he, he, looks, he looks like a surfer, okay? So Luke actually doesn't just look like a surfer. Luke is a surfer, okay? But I'm not a surfer, okay? And so, but, I, but well, let's say I wanted you on the line to conclude as you watch this that I am a surfer. What could I do? all right so looking at luke i could take cues from luke i can create some shorthand symbols right i could probably grow my hair out really long and have it shaggy i could probably walk around the office and flip-flops and board shorts that's what i could do Now, uh, that's the kind of thing we're talking about right so we have this conclusion i want them to conclude i'm a i'm a surfer uh, and i'm i'm an awesome surfer like luke uh, how do i do that i leverage some shorthand symbols to stimulate that connection and so In our experimentation, and I have Pamela up here to talk about it, we have typically, now there's lots of shorthand symbols, right? But in our experimentation, we have typically found that there are three types of shorthand symbols. So, go ahead and step up just a little bit. Here's the clicker, and Pamela, go ahead and walk us through these these shorthand symbols.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Austin, for having me here today. Hey, everyone. So, as Austin mentioned, there's three. We're going to start with the first, um, which is voice. So this is pretty common, a lot of us are copywriters, we're writing in a tone, we're thinking about the personality of our message, we're thinking about the person that's reading it, how do we connect with those? Um, This is one I personally noticed. There was a recent rebrand, we see rebrands all the time, Olive Garden, which was sort of a traditional, you know, family Mm tutorial, big heavy meals, long time. They really wanted to compete with some of the fast casual chains that are out there, so they tried to freshen up their look. They've done a lot of rebrand inside the restaurant. Um, their menus have changed and then of course their logo and their look Um, and so one thing I noticed on their TV spots they also have a new voice literally Mm -hmm. the voice and it's actually Julie Bowen who is the main sort of mom character on Modern Family which is one of the top shows on TV right now And the idea is they're bringing her voice in because she's fresh, she's fun, she's relatable. Mm -hmm. She's a mom in most people's minds. She's gotta get her family organized, but she's busy. But she's also fun. She wants to have a glass of wine. And so the way her voice comes through, it really connects with that message you're trying to do, which is they're bringing new things to the table, they're freshening things up. And one thing I love about this is it's important to have it across all media. So even when Julie Bowen can't be standing there reading a copy Mm -hmm. on your website, they're able to still communicate that using the writing and visuals that they have on their social media, for example. So on Instagram, you can imagine this being her and her friends from that, from that show. So they actually do some things around, you know, red carpet ready. There's an Oscar sort of tie-in. And you can even see they've thought through the composition of the photo and the jewelry and the boots. You know, it, it, that's the character. And then we've got, of course, the wine with the girls. So again, just over and over again, they're connecting with these busy mums who are trying to pick up something quick and fresh, and just give their brand sort of a whole new voice. That's
0: good, that's good.
1: This next example I've got is Newcastle Brown Ale, which is a beer that's a little bit more off the sort of mass market. Um, The thing I love about these guys is they love to poke fun at marketing, of all things. And so they're a little irreverent. they're a little funny. And one thing they do is um, Super Bowl comes around, and of course that's a huge beer marketing time. So what they did is they created this hilarious teaser trailer that's all about how they wanted to create this mega huge football game ad, but only if they had the money and only if they had the talent. Um, They can't even use the word Super Bowl. But they got a lot of kind of coverage Mm -hmm. from this because the beer drinkers that, you know, like this, they're quirky, they're fun. Um, It's deadpan, the copy's really spot on. And then they led up to these two sort of video spots that feature, again, two actresses that are in mass. Um, These only ran on YouTube, though, and online. But Anna Kendrick and Aubrey Plaza, who are both kind of, again, fresh, sort of irreverently funny women, who are more appealing to the cerebral kind of beer drinker. Mm. So it was just, it got a lot of press for them. Poking fun at Super Bowl ads that typically blow ad budgets, they went another way. And again, how does that translate into other media? these are a couple of Facebook ads I came across, which are hilarious. Um, for every person liking this Facebook page, they will donate nothing to no
0: one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so again, it's, it's in the writing, it's in the, you know, just skewering that typical marketing, nice. which is exactly the kind of person um, who drinks this kind of beer really appreciates. I,
0: I like the two examples, because voice doesn't have to be necessarily a person's voice, it yeah. can be a person's voice, or it can be, you, you get the voice from the way the copy's done. Now walk us through a B2B example
1: of this. Yep, didn't want all fun restaurants and beer. So (laughs) um, this is one I noticed actually, again, I just noticed it because I was watching TV. Um, So IBM Smarter Planet. I was just too afraid to try and queue up a video or audio clip here, but if you go find their ad, um, one of their most recent one, so there's a voiceover, and there's lots of you know, beautiful visuals. Their, their whole thing is they're trying to tackle some of the world's toughest problems and facilitate that. But the interesting thing about this spot is they actually have 37 different voices, because I counted them. Each one has a different sort of accent, or you know it's obviously different tones. It's, it's different people. And the thing I like about that is they didn't choose just one voice. It's about they're collaborating yeah. and, and facilitating this collaboration of a lot of smart people tackling things like healthcare and risk management and, you know, water issues, so.
0: And the voice in that case is is the diversity of voices, the, the crowd voice almost in some sense. Yeah, and IBM's
1: been doing a lot of that. You know, you remember the IBMer, mm-hmm. and that was all about all of their employees and what they're trying to do to, to make the world smarter. Um, so again, it's kind of three very mm-hmm. different examples of using voice. And again, it doesn't have to be, you know, in audio, it's it's in, again in the writing, and even in how you just yep. think about how you talk to your customer. Again, fostering conclusions. Yes. Yes. So let's talk about the next one, which is style. Again, we talked a little bit about design, which is what a lot of people think about. Um, when we talk about this one, an example I thought of what a challenge Google has. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have so many different products and services and things they enable you to do from, you know, managing your budgets to finding out, you know, where on a map you need to go and um, downloading music. And again, how do they foster the overall conclusion that it's easy to find what you need using all these very complicated things? And so I kind of, you know, did a little bit more research and found they really think a lot about Um, their standards for their visuals, so every single one of these very different things uses the same sort of um, approach. So there's consistency across simplicity. So not a lot of layers, not a lot of shadows when it comes to the reductive design. Um, You know, they think about things like everything should be front facing. Again, because that fosters the conclusion that it's simple, it's easy, it's a quick takeaway. A few other things, you know, geometric shapes. And you see this kind of thing, you know, when it comes to style guides, which are pretty common. You can just Google style guides, and you can come up with lots of different inspirations. But it's just, again, thinking through how simply you place your shadows on your icons can really impact how you foster a conclusion of simplicity.
0: So let me ask you, so in your opinion, what, what, what is Google trying to foster? what With this style, what are they trying to foster? So
1: my personal opinion is yeah. that it's easy, yep. it's simple, it's intuitive, and you can find what you need. You get, get right to the point, right? And,
0: and you see that even with their, their page, right? There's yep. It's just a simple search. It's easy, it's quick, that kind of thing. Yep. So they've
1: removed all friction, really, to just get you to where you need to go. And even the Google logo, if you notice various iterations, they've actually removed the drop shadow. They've taken the shine off it. They're just getting simpler and simpler mm. as people are demanding you know, simpler things. Um, here's another. Again, it's a tech example as well. But the thing I liked about Dropbox, um, their visuals and their style is actually it's illustrations. Um, you know, putting your files in the cloud is not exactly. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't think immediately that's an illustration. But I, what I love about it is it's a bit whimsical, and it's it's not boring. It helps transform what is a pretty you know mm. standard thing, to be about sharing and collaboration and possibility. Um, it, it tells a story and they make it personal. So it's about your stuff. Um, And so connecting to what matters to you and how you can access it, empowerment and simplicity, I just thought especially for, again, kind of a, you know, their B2B and B2C, but a little bit of a straightforward brand using something so kind of fun. Yeah. So that's on style. Um, The final thing, the third thing is Marks, which as you mentioned, the Apple, the Swoosh. We're not going to talk about those, um, but it is the ones we think of right away. Those iconic symbols, even sometimes the product, like the ketchup. We know that right away what it is. And a lot of these brands have poured money and years into reinforcing these messages that you connect with so quickly. Um, I will come back to the uh, Sorry, the CEO example, of course, Steve Jobs mm-hmm. is just as, as
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, when we think of the mark, oftentimes we think of the logo, but a face yep. can be just as much of a mark as a shape. Yeah,
1: and many of these actually, Starbucks dropped the word Starbucks and coffee off of their brand. So you
0: bring a point. So the name actually can serve as the mark, and yep. my guess is, uh, marks take time to build. Absolutely. Right, you can launch with a style over, you know, quickly. You can launch with a tone or a voice quickly but to build the associated conclusion with the market takes, takes time.
1: Right, exactly. I'm going to come back to the IBM example. This is kind of their little smarter planet icon. Um, and the same visual as I showed before. What I like about this is when you think about your mark, um, creating it so it has legs. Um, They want to do so much with this, and and the the Little Planet is a little bit generic, so they are able to use it in a way that is fun and interesting, but communicates so many different things. You can tie it into healthcare, you can tie it into water, electronics, but it still always comes back to the same consistent feel. So I thought that was an interesting way that they made their brand flexible and cover a whole host of sort of different issues that Mm. they're trying to tackle.
0: What would you call that? Uh, it's like brand... radiating black lines is that what you call
1: that? <laughs> to me it's like l- the light bulb going yes. off a little bit yes. you know so it's
0: just interesting so you, they're using that to as their mark in yep. some sense
1: yeah exactly and it's sort of you know obviously the IBM is the ultimate mark and they they get a lot by putting mm-hmm. that up there but I just thought this sort of um, brand extension was really interesting. Um, I'm gonna ask you guys to fill in That's a little a question way. do you know what this is anybody can you do you recognize this brand we'll Who's give you mar- a second. whose mark
0: is this? What fostered conclusion do you draw when you see this?
1: Okay, we got Dave Knows. Oh, look, we got a yeah. few there. Yeah. You guys are in airports no a lot. No idea from George. Yeah. So it is Accenture. Um, and so this isn't one that is not one that you is particularly iconic or, you know, it's a greater than symbol. We, you know, you start seeing it more and more. Yes. It's not that old. It's not necessarily recognizable on its own. What I love about Accenture, and if you're in airports you're seeing this a lot, they're actually borrowing from their clients' brands to give them. A little bit of um, equity and empowerment. Mm-hmm. so everyone knows the Michelin man, you know the caterpillar truck is so iconic I mean heck the Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. And so by placing their brand right there next to it and saying, we facilitate these great brands to perform at the level you expect really puts a shine on their brand um, And so using that powerful message to communicate their own performance is it's an incredible opportunity for them and just a way to think about, how, how can you use other things? Maybe not all of us have Michelin as our client, yes. but I just I thought it was a really great way to, great way to think about a mark um, without spending all the money that Apple does for so many years.
0: Excellent, excellent. Thank you yeah. Pamela very much. Thank you thank Austin, you. thank you everybody. Now you guys see why I wanted to get her up here to walk through some of the examples. Now these aren't, this isn't an exhaustive list of examples, but it's just kind of, you know, you have the categories and it's a framework for you to think through as you're considering, okay, here's the fostered conclusion I want to draw. Here are some potential symbols or kinds of symbols I can use. So, with that said, okay, and I, um, I, want, I know some of you are trying to take copious notes and you're trying to capture everything. Maybe you've probably been taking screenshots of the screen. I'm going to just uh, reassure you, you know, all these slides will be sent to you uh, in a week when we release the, uh, the video replay of this presentation. But at the end of the day, here's the question I have. right? So we we're talking about this city. We talked about the foster conclusion. What shorthand symbols did they identify themselves that they wanted to use to, to foster that conclusion? All right, so here's what they use for voice. And you can see on the right-hand side some of the kind of the way they talked to their customer. It was kind of more of a laid-back and fun and kind of... Um, uh, personal uh, tone, right? Come down and experience this city. Follow your, and it had this kind of this catchy abbreviation for their name. And you can see the third one here. So that's the kind of voice they used. In terms of style, uh, they integrated some, some fonts that had this kind of creativity uh, style. They had some gradients that communicated this idea of uh, kind of historical uh, grounded. They even had, even the way they had some of their images tilted, communicated this fun and the colors they used. And the images they used were all trying to foster this idea of cultural diversity, creativity, and fun. In terms of mark, obviously, I can't show you their mark uh, or, I or tell you their name because that would undo all the anonymization that we've done in this clinic. But uh, Ken has graciously put some examples of other cities and the kind of abbreviated names. and This city, too, had an abbreviated name and an emblem associated with it. Where you see the blur on this uh, on this slide, that's where those are being employed. So, Here's the question, okay, and I have effectively, uh, and this is this is usually my fault, I have effectively uh, pushed us to our time limit, so I'm going to go through this last point. I'm going to go through it quickly, but I don't want to go too quickly, right? I, I want to make sure you get the value. I want make sure you understand it, uh, and um, again, if you need to jump off, totally understand. Uh, you can get the replay of this later. I'm going to go through this quick though, all right? So why? Why? So why did this treatment? It has a fostered conclusion. It has uh, the the Shorthand symbols, why did it not work? This leads me to a really important point, right? And it's one of the most common mistakes with brand, right? We can actually have a really good brand. We can have the conclusion drawn, we can have the symbols chosen, but at the end of the day, just having a good brand is not enough. The way you apply that brand matters, all right? And here's the principle, right? So, all marketing, including brand, should influence a decision. Listen, brand doesn't exist for the sake of brand. Brand exists for the sake of moving people uh, in a process, trying to motivate them to say yes to you. Uh, But so often we forget about it. We get so excited about brand. We just, we forget that sometimes the way we leverage our brand can actually hinder that right decision. And so that's what was happening Uh, At least that's what we're hypothesizing was happening in the treatment. And the way we know that is because we've patterned uh, the application of brand across two two decades of experimentation, over 20,000 tests run. And so uh, this heuristic, for those of you who've been on these clinics before, uh, don't worry if you, if, you, if you don't know it, that's fine. Uh, I'm gonna give you a resource at the end where you can go and learn more about it. Uh, however, this heuristic is a tool, is a guide that helps us think about the application of brand, right? So each of these elements stand and represent something. And the one that really matters in this example is that F there f stands for friction okay and the most common error with brand is we leverage brand in such a way that it generates unnecessary friction okay so going back to the treatment let me just show you how this happened okay so notice first we did implement the voice the imagery the colors we did all those things to kind of bring try to kind of create those cues those shorthand symbols to foster the conclusions we wanted however According to the heuristic, if you look at this, we actually, in doing that, we really, we, we added some friction, right? So look at the images at the top. You know, if you think about the control, which had a, yep, thanks, Ken, uh, had a real simple image. This is a collage of images, and it, it what, you know, what we found is it actually creates confusion, all right? I know what we're trying to do here. We're trying to create diversity, but it actually creates confusion. What is this actually about? We used a stylized font for the headline, which is oftentimes one of the most important places for the customer to get information about the offer. Uh, But the stylized headline actually made it somewhat difficult to read. We even used, we we changed the font from black to this kind of uh, lighter red. It's still dark, but yet the contrast change and what we found in our experimentation, poor contrast actually creates friction as well. And if you wanna talk about poor contrast, uh, as much as this integrates the textures and the brand colors, this form was incredibly difficult from a friction standpoint to get through. It was just challenging, it was hard. It, it, it caused a barrier for the customer. And that was the challenge. And often, guys, and you gotta look at it this way. So it, it's, it, when you have your brand, you wanna apply it in a way that doesn't, um, we get excited about it, but we don't over apply it so that it creates, creates friction. If you look at this control, I mean, we have a simple image, use the simpler image style. We have, we're using just basic, readable, easy font. We stuck with the basic black on white contrast all that made it really easy to see and this form field here is also a lot I could put them side by side to get a lot easier to read now I'm simplifying the presentation of this however what you need to take away, what you need to get for your own campaigns is step one, step two, we should be doing with brand. But once we get there, we have to apply it in such a way, you see them side by side here, that the brand doesn't get in the way of clarity, of understanding. Now, these two pages represent kind of two extremes, right? Now, there's brand on the control. We have some of the brand elements there, but it's scaled back almost as far as possible. The treatment scales the brand almost to the extreme right side. So, uh, a follow-up test that we would run for this would be, okay, let's, let's, that was an extreme, the treatment. Let's see if we can integrate some more brand elements into control and see if that would have an impact. There's a scale here represented with these two treatments. And that's the kind of iteration and testing that you have to do to determine, okay, what is the best application of brand, okay? Because it will change context to context, uh, customer audience to customer audience. So I am done. All right, and and I know that some of you are probably wondering, okay, where can I get more information about uh, how to apply brand, et cetera, because we just did a high level. Uh, I have a slide in a moment. Uh, that I'll show you a link to where you can get more training on that piece. Uh, however, for those of you who are trying to get a summary of all the stuff we talked about today, uh, here it is. Again, like I said, the slides will be sent to you after this clinic. Uh, brand does not make a promise. It creates an expectation. That's all about the fostered conclusion. Pamela uh, brilliantly walked us through some, uh, some classic shorthand symbols around voice, style, and mark. And then at the end of the day, you can get all that right, but if you don't apply it well... If you don't use a methodology to apply it, you can really drop the ball with your brand. If you want to know more about brand, you want to know more about value proposition. Um, again, I'm, I'm not really trying to sell this. Uh, all I'm trying to say is I know that some of you probably want more information. You can go to meclabs.com/value proposition or value prop, uh, and that will give you uh, access to. We have a whole full course, not just on value proposition, but we get into brand in that as well. And there's more courses that we're developing with the team right now on brand. That way, so, so keep posted. Um, with that I am done with this week's content I am four minutes over but I am going to give you the opportunity to vote one more time okay I want to get you because we're, we're talking about next clinic and we have a really interesting test here all right so this is a financial institution trying to get people to sign up for mortgages all right this is an email this is a really interesting topic all right so here's the classic email I'll, I'll do the bullets here the control uses a traditional headline the body of the email features a bulleted list Here's the treatment, okay? Some of us wonder this, and this is something that we wonder here at Marketing Experiments. Does leveraging seasonality work? And so we tested it. So you saw the control, which was just a standard general email. And here's the treatment in which we integrated seasonal headlines. We integrated kind of themes throughout. Even the wording that we used has, you know, uh, no points or ghostly hidden fees. So it it has this seasonal connection, the seasonal relevance. So let me ask you, audience, right now, I'm going to go back to the control. Here's the control. Take a look at it. Here's the treatment. Which of these do you think will generate the most conversions? looking at these two treatments. Which one? Okay. I, have, I see control. I see seasonality. I see control, treatment, treatment, control, control. This is good. We're at least a little bit more balanced than we were in the first time we did this. It looks like we have a pretty even split between the control and the treatment. Some people are, are betting on the seasonality. Some people are betting on just the general. Um, so you want to know the answer. You will have to come back uh, in two weeks, correct, for the next marketing experiments web clinic i'm sorry i'm being corrected four weeks next month marketing Experience web clinic we're going to be looking at the topic of seasonality if you want to sign up so you don't forget about it so you can be on it live uh, and get the opportunity to submit your pages for review your seasonal pages for review go to marketing experience.com seasonality uh, and you can sign up for that get it in your calendar and and have it there All right, guys, we are done. Uh, I am on my final slide here. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule today. I know that everyone on this call is busy. I appreciate you uh, uh, just engaging with us, helping us create a community of marketers that don't just want to have best practices, but we want to experiment our way into understanding what really works with customers. If you like this test, or if you like these experiments, you like these discoveries, and you'd like to kind of work on your own campaigns and try to figure out what works with your own campaigns, there's some options there in a post-clinic survey. Uh, if if, for instance, if you want to be one day like a, 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 a case study that we're featuring on these clinics, you want to discover something unique about your uh, partners, I want to just invite you to raise your hand and, and potentially uh, participate in our research agenda for this year. Again, thanks for the time. We'll see you back here next month. Uh, and... Uh, If you like this clinic, please tell a friend. We'll see you in a month. Thank you for listening to this recording of a Marketing Experiments live web clinic. You can sign up to receive invites to future live web clinics, as well as receive access to $10 million worth of internet marketing research at marketingexperiments.com.